Yo, this hot, this the spot, there it is pod.com We're interviewing the best comedians, so tune in quick and get your ears receiving them We talking about life and life to stream right to you From the microphone right to your home, dude Side note, this might get embarrassing, but no, don't sweat, yo Cause there it is Welcome to the There It Is Podcast, a comedy podcast for comedians of any variety. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. Follow us on Twitter at There It Is Pod and like us on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter at Jason Farr Jokes. You can like me on Facebook too. We could throw that in there. Also, be sure to check out the website, thereitispod.com, to read blogs and find out how you can support the podcast, which would be very much appreciated. You can donate one time or monthly, and it helps me to continue to do this. You'd also get your name read on an episode, and there are some other perks you can get with certain donations, so check them out in the support section on thereitispod.com. Today, I talked to Atlanta comedian Mia Jackson. No, her name is not Baby. It's Mia. Miss Jackson, if you're nasty. Mia is super fun. I really enjoyed this chat. I think you will, too, especially if you're a stand-up. Plenty to learn from her. She has been on Fox, TLC, Last Comic Standing, and in the Jennifer Aniston, Julia Roberts movie, Mother's Day. Yeah, we talk about that and more in this very good chat. Check it out. You're in Atlanta, but have you always done comedy in Atlanta? Is that where you started? I actually started in Athens, Georgia. So about an hour and 15 minutes, hour and a half from Atlanta. Uh-huh. How yeah. long have you been doing comedy? Let's, well, I actually started in 2002. So oh, cool. I, yeah, I'd been out of college maybe like about a year and a half, and then I'd been the full year before then, I'd actually just been writing in a notebook because I had seen some interview with Chris Rock or something where he's like, hey, you're going to be a comedian. You got to write. So I'm like, oh, I got to write. But I was too scared to get on stage. So um did that. But I've only actually been full time the past two years. And so a lot of times when I tell people I started in 2002, they're like, oh, man, that's a long time ago, which it is. But in those first two years and some change like there would be times where six months at a time i wouldn't get on stage you know that's a good lesson to learn from chris rock to write all the time to that's yeah because uh, i was like that's what they do people are writing things down <laughs> it is funny how many people don't seem to know that comics aren't making it up on the spot in right situations right. and I, that's the thing that it that gets me the most if you talk to someone about stand-up they they'll say like so do you write your own material? Do you just use other people's material? Like, oh, do I steal material? Is that what <laughs> That comes up. Yeah, it's like, and, and, it, and, it's in, and it's in the exact same tone that you said it into. Like, let me, let me get an idea. And you're like, are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> it's so bizarre. People just think this straight pr- plagiarism. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then if you talk about improv, then they say like, so improv, so... Uh, do you write it or it's always the opposite. You're, you're talking about stand-up. They think that you're making it up on the spot or stealing it. And if you do improv, they think that you must have written it. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. So weird. I never even thought about it like that, but that's exactly, yeah. 
exactly what happens. It's so bizarre. So what got you into the scene in Atlanta? Well, so when I started in Athens, there were already, it was a few comics who were already coming to Atlanta all the time anyway. So um, a couple of the guys, I would just ride down with them to Atlanta. And then I moved to Atlanta maybe about two years after that, two and a half years. I was kind of already kind of a part of the scene a little bit, but you know, the first couple of years, people still were like, oh, you're an Athens comic. You live in Athens. But, you know, now I've been here long enough for people are like, ah, oh, you're an Atlanta comic. So that's how I got involved. When you started out, what was your process to sort of get in it? Like once <laughs> you started regularly doing it, I'll say. Well, let's see. When when I first started doing stand-up, and you're asking about the writing process and all that kind of stuff. Writing process, and then also if you can go into getting on stage, your approach there. Okay, so when I first started, I was just excited about getting on stage, period. So there was this thing where I was like, I'm finally getting on stage. And so, so for those first maybe, I would say first six months or so, I was going up, but I was going up a lot in Athens just because there was a place where they had been running for a while. So I knew I had somewhere to get up every Saturday. I always had something to do every Saturday. And then um, as far as writing back then, because I felt like I had all these things in my head that had been building up for years, I would write all the time. I mean, I would be writing in notebooks. I would be in the car. I'd have envelopes and I'd be like, you know, because this was before smartphones really existed. So, well, no, right. not really. It was before they existed. So right. I'd be like, oh, let me write this note down real quick on the back of my water bill. Let me write <laughs> right. this thing. And then I just have notebooks, just stuff with, you know, receipts and all kind of stuff. And then I'd have my little time period where I would go, well, I don't really feel productive or you know, or, or when there wasn't as much stage time in Atlanta, I would be like, oh, I'm not going to drive to Atlanta tonight because it's so far and, you know, that kind of thing. So that was the the first few months or the first few years. I wasn't really all that structured. I mean, I, I was getting up, but like I said, I'd have the breaks. But then as far as writing, I'd have a lot of output. And then I was not going back and like refining or editing jokes. And I remember going to an open mic at something in Atlanta and there was this comic who was like, you know what? He's like, you're funny. He was like, but every time I see you, you're always doing new stuff. And I was like, well, yeah, that's because I got ideas and I got stuff, <laughs> you know, I got things that people need to hear. And he was like, well, yeah, but you don't ever work on the stuff that works. And I was like, oh, yeah. that, that makes sense. Since it's after that, I remember going, you know, thinking like, but that's crazy. Like, why would I keep doing the same thing? And then I'm like, you know what? Oh, that's what it means. And you get a set that works mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, this joke works every time. Or, oh, I did this joke. So now I can add an extra point. So you to can it. develop yeah, your develop set. Fear. Yeah, yeah. With, wow. your, with getting up, how consistently did you get up? Like I said, the first few months I was in it, I was... I mean, I guess I know it was at least every I know it was at least once a week and sometimes, you know, two, three times a week if somebody had other little open mics because there was always somebody trying to start one around town. But I can also remember, you know, like I said, driving down to Atlanta. And if I met because there were comments in Atlanta who knew that they could always get on in Athens every Saturday, I would meet them. And then as they were starting up rooms, they would go, oh, well, why don't you come? to my spot, you know, in Kennesaw on Wednesday, or why don't you go to this open mic at this spot? And so 
that's kind of how it how it was at first. And then, um, you know, so I was averaging about maybe at, at least once, once or twice a week, something like that at, at first. And then, like I said, I have my times where I wouldn't be doing anything. But that was the first couple of years. So, yeah. How would you say you got into being a, a more trusted performer when you started to, to be able to get on shows as an opener and then as a feature? Let's see. Probably, I would say, because um, I was kind of coasting, like I said, even in them times where I wasn't being consistent, but there were people who who would put me up because they're like, well, you're really likable. So you're a likable person. We'll put you up because of, you know, and, and, you're, and you're funny enough. And um, so I would probably say maybe about two and a half, three years in is to is is where um, I really because I got to host pretty early, like at um, what was it, the Funny Farm, in in it was in Roswell or Alpharetta, somewhere like that. And um, Marshall Childs, that owns the Laughing Skull, he was you know over over the Funny Farm, and so you know he liked me. He, he was one of the people who was like, "Oh, you you have a lot of good stage presence." And I remember him giving me a guest spot. This had to have been, I don't know, two thousand three maybe. And and the, the significance of a guest spot, like I didn't even know what that meant at the time. I was like, "Oh, this guy is letting me go up this weekend on weekend shows," and I didn't even realize like that was a thing, you know, <laughs> and. Um, and then so I got to host there pretty, pretty early, early in. And then um, so that kind of helped me get the, used to the idea of going, oh, OK, well, now I know I got to, you know, try to be consistent and so that I can get invited to other places, too. So early, pretty early, early, early ish, I guess, you know, to get hosting work like that. Yeah. A lot of people I've heard will say, like, oh, I don't like hosting, but I've heard People who are working comics say, no, you have to, you have to host. Yeah, you have to because you end up, um, I mean, and of course, I think everybody goes through that point where they're like, oh, I'm tired of hosting. I want to feature. I'm tired of featuring. I want a headline. But like for me, it was very helpful just to go, oh, okay, well, I'm, you know, it kind of helps you learn. You're an important part of the show and you kind of set the energy up and, you know, and, and I mean, not only that, you're also doing announcements, but you're kind of doing a little bit of crowd control and getting mm-hmm. people to hush and do all these other kind of things. And so to me, I, you know, I, I appreciated being able to get that experience pretty early. Yeah, that ability to be able to do the business stuff of turn your cell phones off, don't talk too much. Here's some stuff that's also going on on the stage later in the month, like doing well, I, all that business stuff and then being able to transition into setting that tone to uh, the show and getting people yeah. to start laughing that is good ground for learning and, and honing your your skills at oh. being able to be a headliner oh yeah I mean like I can remember you know just you know and, and then you know different clubs do things different ways because I had some clubs that would go oh well do the announcements up top and then some people go no do it afterwards and so then I'll be like okay well let me figure out what really works so then I'm like hey you know I come out I'm your MC and and I might do some quick little jokes and then go, OK, well, now I know that I got them hyped up. You know, I'll, maybe I'll even try to make the announcements kind of funny or maybe I'll try to do something to get people to be like, hey, I'm your quarterback of the show. You're going to keep seeing me through through the whole time because I've had shows before where there are people who don't watch stand up or they you know, they came for the headliner. So they see I mean, which is obviously why they came, but they come for the headliner. and That's the only person they know. So they're like. 
who are these other people on the show? You know, right. and then you have to do the thing of like, hey, you're going to see me. You're going to see another person. Then you're going to see the guy <laughs> you paid for. You know, so just setting people's expectations. So it kind of helps you be versatile, you know? Oh, yeah, certainly. What advice would you give comics starting out or comics who've been doing it for a while but haven't gotten to that featured standpoint yet? What would you suggest they do to get there? Oh, gosh. Look, these are questions I'm asking myself. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of trial and error, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. And and it's different for everybody. Like, Mm -hmm. it's because I know some people who, you know, right out of the gate, you know, got into some stuff. And then I know people who it took, you know, five years, it took 10 years, you know, for things like that to happen. And so for new people, I guess my advice would be, you know, perform as much as you can, write as much as you can. And when you do those things, record them, you know, and then also a big thing, and this is an adult learning principle that I learned, but um, like also know what kind of learner you are because, you know, you might be a, you know, if you're a better audio person, then just, you know, tape your set so that when you're in the car, you listen to your set. If you're better visual, then record. And, and it obviously is good to do all of it because when you record, you know, and see a visual set, you will stop little crazy things you're doing because when I first started I remember my then boyfriend was like hey you know you grab your crotch a lot when you talk and I'm like what and he was like yeah you basically are like grabbing at some invisible balls and I'd be kind of rocking from side to side and just you know doing like this and then I kept going like I'm not doing that and then I watched the clip and I went oh yeah oh so new comics you know the, and I had this conversation with a friend the other day, and, and it comes up all the time where people say, you know, you know the whole the the, the adage or whatever, where it's not a it's not a you know it's not a um not a sprint, it's a marathon. Right. And so like, so I so new people is just hey, it's not going to happen overnight. Like it's not going to happen overnight. And even with things being different now, with people being you know YouTube stars and you know and and Twitter comedians and things like that are just you know, or known from social media, like that still, it doesn't come out of nowhere, you know, right. like it has to share it and, and it has to be decent enough, you know? So it's right. like put in the work early on. And then for people who are, who've been in it for a while, it's kind of the same thing. Like don't let go of the work ethics that got you to where you are, because there were times with myself where I'd be like, well, I'm not going to write or I'm not going to re- what do I need to record this set for? I already know what I sound like. You know, I already already know if this joke works. And then when I actually started going to say, why don't I start doing some of the stuff I did during the early days? Then I'm going back and adding lines to jokes. And I'm like, oh, I remember when I used to do this one joke or I don't even need to do this joke that way anymore. Or I don't have to do this at all. So for, you know, people who are, trying to get to the feature point or already at that point is still just to keep putting in the work and somebody's going to see it. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta, you yeah. gotta keep putting in the work, not just to generate material, but then also watching yourself or listening to yourself. There's so many things that we do that we're unaware of. Oh, that yeah. is such a distraction to the audience to just <laughs> hear your joke. Yeah. If you, I, I need to do it more than I do, but 
it's such an eye-opening experience to say, oh, I don't understand why this joke did well. I told it right. And then right. you watch yourself and go, oh, I was doing this weird thing. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Like, because I, I, somebody told me, um, they were like, yeah, sometimes you kind of smack after you say certain things. And I'm like, do I? And then <laughs> and I started hearing it. And then uh, I remember somebody telling me, what was it? Like, when I have my days or where I'm not going up, regularly and then i like my boyfriend will come watch a show now and he'll be like you must ain't been on stage in a few days because you started going um oh uh, oh uh, uh. and i'm like oh you picked that up and he's like yeah because i can tell he was like i know you know the material but since you weren't in a groove you kind of got you know mm-hmm. off task a little bit so right it does yeah. have to to see it yeah i've had a i feel like i'm going through this rusty phase right now where when i go up i'm not what I usually am when I'm uh, more honed. Going up consistently is such a crucial thing. Could you get oh. rusty and? Oh yeah, I mean it's a and and I've had to tell myself like even if I'm somewhere where I can't go up every night of the week, then to do something like to go okay, well you recorded every set when you were going up last week, so why don't you listen to those sets that you just did, or why don't you go back into your notebook and see if something can be rewritten or something mm-hmm. can be changed or like go look at something that's already existing if you can't get up because at least you'll still hear the material you know even if you aren't on stage mm-hmm. so yeah you talked about great stage presence and, and people complimenting on it. you do have great stage presence how do you Thanks, think <laughs> <laughs> well how do you feel like you have honed that over the years you know, I don't know. I just, I, I think this is the thing. I, um, I usually feel better about it if I have prepared well for my set. You know, like what do you I mean, think, like know the jokes well. Yeah, yeah. Like I can, um, because I think for me sometimes my stage presence is better if I'm feeling good. You know, if I'm feeling confident, if I feel solid about what I know is going to happen. Like, like for example, when I did last comic standing last year, that was probably, that, that's actually what got me back into my habits of going like, Oh, why don't you start recording and doing this all the time? And, and it was that whole thing where I kept going, I have this end goal. I'm going to be on TV in front of a bunch of people. So what can I do to make sure that I'm not going to shame my family? (laughs) And, um, (laughs) and so by that time I was, I was, I recorded every pretty much every single set. I was trying to like, even if I was on my way to go visit somewhere, I would be like, oh, okay, I know it's a comedy club in this area. Let me see if I can get on an open mic tonight. Or let me see if I can do this. And I'm like, let me keep running and running and running and running and running this set. And like, so by the time the show came around, like, I just kind of felt like, all right, boom, I'm going to be able to go out here. And, and I think it's going to come across well because I'm not in my head. So, yeah. So that, so like, so for me, that's the, that kind of helps me, I guess, with stage presence when I'm like, oh, I already have a general idea of what mm-hmm. I'm going to talk about or I'm not going to seem so weird and, and off. Because I've also had times where I wasn't as confident and I'm like, oh, that's why that set went the way it was. Because I almost kind of seemed like, oh, well, hey, guys. <laughs> you know, and it, and it just didn't come across well because I wasn't feeling good about what I was about to do. Yeah, I think going up a lot for me certainly helps. One thing that has not helped me is practicing alone in my room because I feel like I get into a certain 
expectation of how I'm going to be able to deliver the joke. But that is such a different setting than being on stage in front of people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I've, I've tried the whole because I've had people suggest that before. Like, you know, well, stand in your bathroom mirror and look at yourself while you tell the jokes. And I'm like, eh, I've tried it. I'm like, it didn't really work for me. It doesn't work for me either. Yeah. Oh, I, I will. I will have some sort of idea about a, a thing I can throw in that will be funny. That really is something that is fun to throw in in the moment. Right. But when right. you try to recreate those moments on stage, it just doesn't go well. It feels right, too rehearsed. Yeah, because it's not organic. Yeah. Right. Like, I, yeah, I would rather that thing came up when I was on stage, you mm-hmm. know? And then, because I mean, sometimes I've had the where I might be repeating something in my head to myself, or I might be listening to something. I'll go, oh, I wonder if I could say this next. But, you know, it, but, it, but it doesn't, it comes from me hearing it, but not from me going, hey, remember when I was walking down the street that one day? And then I'm like, ah, this feels so weird. Yeah. Weird. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Yeah, it's one of those things where the spontaneity of doing stand-up, that is something you can really only hone by doing live shows a bunch. Yeah, when stand-up, yeah, yeah. Right. And it's such a weird thing to get good at. It's one thing to get... I can understand getting good at writing material, and I can understand getting good at delivering that written material. What's such a weird thing that you have to get good at at stand-up is that being good at the spontaneity because how do you practice spontaneity yeah yeah i mean and it's a and it just comes from being on stage where you know where stuff has to happen yeah Mm -hmm. because you can't you can't manufacture you know somebody dropping a plate (laughs) you know (laughs) right right yeah you can't manufacture some crazy person in the audience screaming at you because um when i was in charlotte two weeks ago I wore a dress on stage, and then as soon as I walk out, this lady just starts screaming, your legs are pretty. You got pretty legs. You got real nice legs. And I'm like, okay. You know, and then I'm like, all right, because that's, that's not something I could have practiced for to be like, well, let me think of something I could say. Yeah. I just said something about my legs. No and one so, does that to you in everyday life. And if they right. did, you wouldn't know how to respond to it. Right. And then I finally just had to go, well, I've never been objectified by a woman, but thank you. You know, and everybody started <laughs> laughing. And I'm like, and I was like, are you good? Are you okay? You know, and then she like, I just wanted to say that just look good. You know, but that was one of the things where, yeah, I could have been in my house going, mm, I wonder if somebody might make a comment about but you just don't know. You just never know until you're in that moment. So you're in that moment for sure. Yeah. What is your process now when you write? Do you write it down in your phone and then just try to punch it up later? Or do are you the type of writer who, when you have an idea, you take it on stage first? Uh, some, sometimes it's a, it's, every once in a while I'll take it on stage. But for the most part, I uh, have Evernote, the app. Evernote and I will I'll start typing some like so if I'm you know if I had a conversation with someone like I might be talking to my sister and I'm like oh that was it's kind of funny let me transcribe my sister's conversation and I'll put our conversation in Evernote and then I'll then go on stage and go okay well this is just a skeleton of that idea but let me see what works and then I'll go back and keep 
you know, so if it's a joke about, I don't know, we'll just say popcorn is the topic. If I'm already talking about popcorn and then I went on stage and certain things work and certain things came out, mm-hmm. then I'll go back afterwards and go, well, what did I say? If I listen to the audio and I'm like, okay, well, now let me add an addition. Let me add an addition. Then I'll go through and clean up stuff from that point on. But mostly now it's just writing everything in Evernote. And then sometimes I'll still write in a notebook just because I like to the feeling of actually just writing it out. But mostly everything is Evernote, going back and cleaning it up, listening to it, going back to Evernote, or just adding some kind of note to something. How does it break for you? Like, how do you get the joke to break? Do you think about it and just say, well, what does this really mean? Are you, are you breaking it down that much? Or, or what are you doing to, to add to a joke? Sometimes it's just even... Like I have, you know, a couple of people that I'll run run things by um, one of my friends. And uh, I don't know if you know Landry, but yeah, uh, I've, I opened for him six years ago, something like that, a long time. Ago. Oh wow, okay, yeah. So so with him, like I might I might already have something written out, and I'll go, hey, you know, this is what I got so far, or or I might even hit him up and go, oh, I got this idea about, you know, when I was driving my car the other day and how I got pulled over, and I'm like this is kind of the idea. And then I'll go, this is what I got so far. And then he'll, he'll look at it and go, okay, well, what kind of angle are you trying to go? And he's like, do you want to say this with it? Or do you want to say this? And then that'll get me to think, um, you know, all right, do I want to, cause everybody would think this way, but how do I really feel about it? And then I'll start building that way. So that's how I'll start trying to at least add to it and, you know, kind of break it down a little bit more to go, all right, what about this thing in real life that happened that was funny to me that what what, what would other people relate to? And so that's how I'll, and then like I said, I'll go back and try it on stage and then come back and add to it. Ah, okay, cool. That's a good process. Yeah, that's uh, it's teaching me a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking at, so you mentioned that you were on Last Comic Standing, but you also, I noticed this on your IMDb when I was uh, doing research on you, you had a role in the movie Mother's Day, the Julia Roberts, Jason Sudeikis, Jennifer Aniston movie. Yeah. And not just as any old body, you were playing comic Mia Jackson. That's your credit. Comic Mia Jackson, yeah. How did that come about? And, and how can other people get to the stage in their career where they can play themselves in a Jennifer Aniston, Julia Roberts movie? So, what there was... um. I'd worked, you know, there was an improv in Atlanta. And so I had worked there before. I featured a few times. And then I even, um, the last time I was there before they closed, which they're about to reopen, I think next year, I think, okay. um, per the, all the articles. But I filled in for a headliner. I had a headliner, but he was filming a movie. So I filled in. So I guess, you know, I don't know if that's where it all happened. But the guy that was booking the features he contacted me and was like, oh, uh, like, do you have any material about your mother? And I'm like, uh, he's like, he was like, yeah, yeah, they're filming some some movie. He's like, there's some movie that's, that somebody, and I was like, oh, so all I know is that it's just some movie. And he goes, well, can I give your info to the, the owner of the club? And I'm like, yeah, sure. So then a few days later, I get a call from this lady and she's like, hey, we got your name, you know, from the improv, blah, blah, blah. And then she goes, yeah, it's for the Gary, you know, it's for Gary Marshall's movie. And I was like, I was like, hello? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I said, wait. And, I, and then she was like, you know, Gary, I was like, oh, no, no, I know who Gary Marshall <laughs> right. who he is. And so she's like, well, we, you know, we wanted some, you know, Mother's Day type material. She's like, but we actually found some of your clips and we like this one joke of yours. So can you just type that out and send it to us? You know, can we... 
you know, can we actually, you know, use that particular joke? And I was like, uh, yeah. So that's it. So it was just basically, and I guess for the new, for the advice that I gave to the new comics earlier, I mean, not to sound like, like, oh, I'm so great and awesome, but it was like, I think it was just because I, you know, I've been working and I've been consistent. And so somebody at the club thought that I was solid enough to be referred. And that's, that's just kind of how it ended up happening. And I got to, you know, go and film my scene and it was super cool and super yeah. fun. And they were like, they were like, do you want us to just give you a name or do you just want to be Mia Jackson? I go, you know what? Let's go with Mia Jackson. Smart move. <laughs> yeah. Smart so. move. Yeah. That's really happen. cool. Yeah. So who was in the scene when you filmed it? Well, by that time, now none of the people like Jennifer Aniston and Julia Roberts, you know, they were not there, but uh, it was, um, cause I think, cause the movie was kind of, it, you know, kind of focused on different characters at different times throughout the movie. So uh, one of the characters, uh, I think his name was Zach in the movie, but it's the comic Jack Whitehall. Okay. And I think he's originally out of the UK, but he uh, he was like one of the characters that was a comic in the movie that was trying to make it. So it was, it was like him. And then there was another um, female comic out of LA and her name is Genevieve Joy. So they were, they were in the scene, and um, John Lovitz, because he was the owner of the comedy club, and I'm trying to think it was anybody else. Um, that might have been that might have been about it, but it was very That's cool. cool. John Lovitz, like, though, like Gary Marshall, like he come, he's yeah. like, come here, he's like, let's talk about this scene, and I'm like, I'm totally being directed by Gary Marshall. Right That's so now. cool. Gary Marshall's a living legend. Yeah, yeah. So it was great. It was great. Yeah. That's super cool. That's really cool. Uh. But look, even from that, though, I just got recommended to do some fundraiser that's going to be in Atlanta in September. And then the, the lady that called me, she goes, well, actually, you know, I called the punchline and she goes, they recommended you. She goes, but I'd actually heard your name from several months before because my friend worked on the Mother's Day movie. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, that's crazy. So, yeah. yeah. Everything opens doors. Yeah. Very cool. It's fun. It was a fun thing to be a part of. Yeah, that's very nice. We've come to the end of the episode, and I always like to create something with the guest. I'm thinking I could read a couple of jokes from my phone, and you can take me through the process you and Landry do. So, All right. Or we no, could do something okay. else. Is that is that cool? No, let's do it. Let's do it, because I always like to, because it almost now has become automatic to where like I don't even have to you know, I don't, I don't even toss it to him. I'll be like, okay, I got this idea. So this is the idea. I can go this way or I can go this way. What's the way to go? You know, so. Cool. All right. So let's hear it. So here's one joke. And with this one, I'm just mentioning to see. This joke seems so familiar, but I, I've asked people. They don't seem to have, think it, they've heard it before. Okay. But so let me, you tell me if you've heard this before, and I, it'll just be a joke that I delete. Uh, why do people talk about killing Hitler as a baby if they could go back in time? Why not go back and just cock block Hitler's parents? <laughs> like, I, um, yeah, the, yeah, I, I haven't, I mean, I've heard people just in general kind of raise that question, but I don't think I've heard anybody mm. on stage say it. You know, I'm just like, the question, not, not the cock blocking the parents. Oh, part. okay. Yeah, but just the, what about, we could go back, like, I, the the concept of going back in time and doing something, I mean, that's, yeah. That's but I've something never, I've heard, I, yeah. Yeah, but I haven't heard the, I haven't heard about the cock blocking his parents. Oh, because you know what, and because the thing about that, because if you're already saying, like, listen, 
I've heard people say that. Everybody's talked about, let's go back in time. He was like, no, let's go further back. Let's mm-hmm. cock block his parents and then talk about, you know, you could go in a direction of like, what would it have been like to be the dude that was <laughs> Hitler's daddy's friend, you know, when he met his mom and, you know, and kind of going through, maybe you apply some modern day tactics to, you know, it's like, oh, that's your wingman, you know, or the, you know, <laughs> stuff like that where you're like, he sees the girl across from him. He's like, nah, you don't want to, nah, you don't want to talk to her, man. I heard, <laughs> I heard Hitler's mama, even though we know she's not his mama yet. You know, it's just it's, it's something kind of ridiculous. Like you go in that standpoint of like, what would that have been like to to cock block his parents? Yeah, you know? how do you do it? How do you do it? I guess I would need yeah. a little bit more uh, knowledge on German culture from the time period. <laughs> right. Or, or look, or even if you don't go that far, it could almost be the, if you find out the night, you we know the date that he was conceived, <laughs> then <laughs> we go back and say, you know, you know, we do something and, you know, starve his mama all day long. So now she has a headache and they can't do it. Oh, right. <laughs> That's <laughs> you know funny. What I mean? Like, it's just, it's, yeah. So there's a lot of stuff you could be like, you know, or we, you know, set his dad up with some, or the night that he was going to go. We're like, no, here's some German porn. Use this instead. <laughs> Why don't you go knock this one out in the bathroom? And now Hitler's in the toilet. <laughs> Hitler doesn't happen. Uh, here's another forward. one. Here's another one that I've been trying to work on. <laughs> That you, I think you can help me with because it's one of those jokes. I am the king of having something that I think is a, an actual joke, and then I do it on stage, and I realize it's just a statement uh, and not an actual <laughs> joke. Um, but uh, this is one uh, that I, I've tried to use a couple times, and I've realized it's too much of a statement. People say millennials are the worst generation; that, that they are entitled. But millennials aren't the worst generation. I'm pretty sure the worst generation. We're the ones that own slaves. <laughs> Wait, so, okay. So, all right. So, your your premise is that, okay, millennials are the worst. Mm-hmm. That's what people say. I yeah. don't agree. People, okay, and you don't agree because you think the worst that, are the um, ones are the ones that own slaves. <laughs> you know, did they have a name? Because I mean, I know there's baby boomers and there's um. I don't know oh. generation names before baby boomers. Well, then you make one up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you go in that direction and say, people say that, you know, because you can, you can say that as a statement of fact, that people say that millennials are the worst, you know, that, mm-hmm. you know, Gen X, Gen Y, you can say all that stuff, but then you can also say, you know, who, who I think is the worst generation. <laughs> the ones that aren't close. Yeah. You can be like, maybe, and, and like I said, maybe even make up a name where you like, um, you know, like, like, was it baby boomers? No. The ones who own slaves. Like, I don't have a name for it, but slave owners is probably what that generation was called. You know, like, something <laughs> like, it just got to go, like, that would, can, or, Then the, that the, the humor can come from just how clever of a name I give them. Yeah, yeah, it could be that, or it could just be the, um, you know, like I said, if you're like, yeah, there was a generation before the baby boomers, um, probably a little bit before that, a little bit before that, a little bit before that. Uh, called um, slave owners, and they were the slave owner generation, and they were terrible because they owned slaves. You know, I like it. There it is. (laughs) I hope that helped. That that did help. I'm gonna try that. I'm gonna start trying that. Thanks so much for being on the podcast, Mia. You're welcome. 
Mia is great. That was a really fun talk. It was uh, really just fun uh, getting to shoot back and forth with her there. I still can't get over that she got to play herself in a movie. You've arrived when you can play yourself in a movie. John Malkovich did not arrive until being John Malkovich. Especially for her to get directed by Gary Marshall before he passed. That was something. Rest in peace, Gary Marshall. That was a good talk for you stand-ups. It had some solid advice and encouragement to keep at it. Punch up your jokes and get on stage as often as you can. Mia is living proof that it's a good method. Keep up with Mia online. Go to MiaJackson.com. You can find out when her upcoming shows are and see some clips. Follow her on social media. She is at Mia Comedy on Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. Like her on Facebook at Comedian Mia Jackson. Hey, and don't forget to follow us on Twitter at There It Is Pod and at Jason Far Jokes. Like us on Facebook and go to ThereItIsPod.com for more info on the show and how you can overcome their-itis. It's called supporting the podcast. If you have their-itis, the only medication is more There It Is. May you all have their-itis. There it is, another episode of There It Is. In next week's episode, I talk to former head writer for both Late Show with David Letterman and The Tonight Show, Joe Toplin. Such a great guest. I love that talk. Check that out next Tuesday. Until next time, be good to each other. The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr.